Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want Salon Perfect Nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yeah. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'll, the Bachelor? Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. A lot of people, and I'm wondering, why would you defend Rachel Kirkinell? It was a mistake. I made a mistake. I am an imperfect man. I made a mistake, and I own that. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and it's Thursday. So you know what you're about to get. You're about to get a bunch of Bachelor Nation news. And there was a lot this week. You're about to get a bunch of gains of all the players who are currently still playing on season 25, which is now (laughs) mired in controversy and scandal regarding Chris Harrison 
and Rachel Kirkconnell and the fallout and everything that's happening. You are also going to get Parasocial Plays of the Week. And of course, we're going to deliver Screams from the Pit to you. But before we do any of that, as you know, every Thursday episode always starts with a discussion about something larger in the world, something outside of Bachelor Nation, and then we tell you exactly how it's related to Bachelor Nation. This is Game of Roses. State of the World. You know, we've covered a wide variety of topics in State of the World. Everything from politics to civil unrest to technology. And today, we're going to be talking about social media. This isn't specific news, but it is something that is happening with a platform called TikTok. You might have heard of it. Yes, I have heard of it. I've heard there's a rising star on TikTok. That guy, Bachelor Clues? <laughs> it's, it's Game of Roses, first of all, is the account. It's our <laughs> account. It's not Bachelor Clues. <laughs> but yes, I'm trying to make TikToks. So in service of trying to make these TikToks, I've been doing deep dives into TikTok hours at a time, watching how the algorithm mm-hmm. works, seeing what's out there, what are the different genres of videos people are making. And I am certain of one thing at this point, which I feel everyone needs to be certain about. TikTok is devouring Instagram. Instagram is starting to move into the Facebook category of the thing your parents use. Uh-oh. And TikTok is the next evolution of social media. It's the next major platform. So if you're not on it, you're going to be left behind. I know there are a lot of people who don't want to get on TikTok. They think it's an abomination, et cetera, et cetera. It simply is not. This is where we're moving. And it's important to understand that in contemporary times, generations, the gap between them and what delineates them is social media platforms. It used to be that it was wars and social movements. These were the things that kind of framed the context through which each generation understood the world and communicated. Now, it is social media platforms. Baby Boomers and Gen X are on Facebook, Millennials are on Instagram, and Gen Z is on TikTok. And if you're not on this you are not communicating with an entire generation. Uh, in the third quarter of 2020, it was downloaded nearly 200 million times worldwide, more than any other app, even Zoom. And now Gen Z is using TikTok more than they are using Facebook. Facebook still is the primary social media platform used by most of the world. It's at 2.7 billion users. YouTube right behind it with 2.2 billion. Instagram has 1.2 billion. TikTok is at 689 million, but climbing. And again, I cannot stress this enough. We are literally watching the shift happen from Facebook to Gen Z. More Gen Z people use TikTok than Facebook. I'll say it again, which means by the time Gen Z gets to the age of baby boomers and Gen Xers, TikTok will be the new Facebook. And if you're not on it, you're not talking to an entire generation. I'll say it again. So for me, this is like part of the reason that I want to get on TikTok, obviously, is to help promote our podcast and and start reaching this new generation, which is important if we're going to keep talking about The Bachelor, because this happens with all sports. To maintain relevance through generations, you have to somehow be communicating to the incoming generation about your sport. Football has done this. Baseball has done this. Basketball has done this. Bachelor has to do this or it's over. 
if you lose an entire generation, the sport will die with the last generation that watches it. I love TikTok. I feel like TikTok gets me more than any other social media platform. I like I've been using Instagram for so long, but it's not that compelling. TikTok in a shorter period of time, I feel like already knows exactly what I want when I can't even articulate it. I ended up in some TikTok van life area for a very long time and I was like I don't even have a van but I was very interested in the intricacies of this van life specific (laughs) community you know they're they're gluing down their plants they're doing all sorts of shit that I had no idea about um but I do feel like that is one of that is one of the benefits and I just find it much more compelling than Instagram and especially than Facebook at this point. Well, speaking of van life on TikTok, you know your buddy Dini Babies is on TikTok oh, with yeah. 232,000 followers, and he's doing very similar stuff to what he's posting on Instagram. But I completely agree with you. I've spent a lot of time on TikTok now. Going back to Instagram is fucking boring. It is dull as shit. TikTok is 100 times better. And you're right, the algorithm You don't even have to like videos. The algorithm is based on how long you're watching certain videos. So it knows what you like without you ever liking it or following anybody. And it starts populating your feed with exactly what you want to see, which is leading me down a whole different path about procedurally generated social media and shit and where we're headed as a media society. But yeah, what TikToks are what TikToks are you are you into right now? Which which sub cultures? I'm into a bunch of anime subcultures. I am into, for some reason, and it knew, like, this is something I never would have thought that I would have liked in a million fucking years, and I love it. Every video I watch, every one of them. There's a series of videos by done the way, by these- Clues showed me an Clues showed me an anime-type TikTok video before this, and I found it to be horrifying and terrifying, and I hated it. And I so loved it, and that's the beauty you. of TikTok. <laughs> I also am down a rabbit hole of a bunch of guys who are kind of like bearded, like grizzly men out in the wilderness showing you how to like make fires with sticks and shit. I'm like, I'm oh. never going to be outside. I'm never going to go camping. Yeah, I'll you watch don't even this leave guy. your house. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll watch this guy make like a makeshift axe out of a rock and two twigs all day long. The algorithm knows I like this shit. It's mm-hmm. fascinating to me. But yeah, I do think that it is something that is extremely interesting is that the top users on Instagram, they are famous athletes, they are famous actors, musicians, etc. But the biggest TikTok accounts are social media personalities. We have number one, Charlie D'Amelio. D'Amelio has 108.7 million followers, dancer and social media personality. Number two, Addison Rae, 77.1 million followers, dancer and social media personality. Number three, Bella Porch, 57.5 million followers, social media personality. Zach King, number four, 57.1 million, filmmaker and social media personality. Spencer Polanco Knight, 51.6 million followers, beatboxer and social media personality. So it has... People that are famous, I mean, yes, like 
are dancers and maybe they have danced in dance productions since becoming famous for dancing on TikTok, but TikTok is their main career. And these are the top five, five followed people. It's not celebrities from other areas. You have to go to number nine on the TikTok list before you get an actual celebrity that is known for something outside of social media with Will Smith, who has 48.4 million TikTok followers. Now, let's contrast that with Instagram. Hmm. And you're looking at the top Instagram account is the Instagram account, which has 387 million. But the top five non Instagram company accounts are <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo, 266 million. He's a world famous soccer player. Ariana Grande, 224 million, obviously a musician, actress, etc. Dwayne Johnson, aka The Rock, 220 million. We all know that he's an actor, pro wrestler. Kylie Jenner, 218 million. She is a TV star, business owner, CEO. Selena Gomez, 213 million, musician, actress, businesswoman. So times they are a changing, and that is something that to me indicates living in the digital world is now completely possible. It is a career in a way that it never has been before. When the top five accounts on TikTok are all people who just make TikTok videos. It's very surprising, especially because that name recognition, like I maybe recognized the top two, but barely. It's not like a Kardashian or someone like that. You would expect that those people would have more TikTok followers, even if they don't specialize in TikTok, but that's not what we're seeing. This is how the nature of fame generationally works as well. It's like when you hit a certain age and you don't know who the young actors and the young singers and stuff are anymore. This is literally that, mm -hmm. except they're just TikTok. Okay, what about Clubhouse? It's another one. We'll see what happens with Clubhouse. That's a new social media platform that's emerging that's audio only where you can kind of just talk to people. So we're talking about TikTok. We're saying how important it is, how it's all this generational movement and how the Gen Z is you know, talking to each other. So what does this have to do with Bachelor Nation? Well, as I said before, any sport that tries to move into the next generation has to be talking to that generation. So Bachelor Nation has to be on TikTok or it will die. And in fact, it is. So we just wanted to kind of give you a little comparison between the top IG players of Bachelor Nation and the top TikTok players, who they are, what they're doing. So on IG, as we know, the top five are Hannah B at 2.6 million, Jojo Fletcher at 2.3, Tyler Cameron 2.2, Colton has 2 million even, Caitlin Bristow 1.9 million, and the Bachelor ABC official account has 1.4 million. And then on TikTok, our top five players plus the Bachelor account are Madison Pruitt has 2 million, Danny Padilla, 1.6. Hannah Brown is in there, 1.1. Tyler Cameron is in there, 908,000. Hannah Godwin has 738. And then the official Bachelor Nation account has 36.5K compared to its 1.4 million Instagram. So the shift is starting to happen. And I encourage everybody out there to create a TikTok account. You don't have to make videos, but just if you haven't looked at it really, Take a look at it. Give mm -hmm. yourself an hour or something tonight to just scroll through TikTok, find some videos you like, and see what it's about. Because at the very least, you got to be aware of the fact that this is happening. TikTok is not a fad. TikTok is not something that is beyond your comprehension. It is something <laughs> that you need Definitely to not. understand. And we just wanted to take the state of the world to talk about that. 
I think there are some specific things that make it that make it one of the most engaging platforms. I think the algorithm is one of them. I think that the TikTok trends that that works a lot better than it does on say Instagram. It's basically you can see what the top trends are and it's kind of like a homework assignment for influencers. It's like just do this one and you do your own little take on it. Maybe you alter it somehow, but it's kind of giving you like a writing prompt. Um and some and if you go off of TikTok for a while and you come back, it can often feel foreign. You're like, why is everyone doing this weird thing? It's like, I think this is part of why it appeals to young people is it's that meme turnaround. And it's kind of like inside jokes and people who aren't on it won't get it. I have definitely come across a lot of TikTok videos that are like, (laughs) hey, Welcome to the people over 30 who are on TikTok. And I'm like, how does it know? (laughs) Why is it giving me all the old people TikToks? (laughs) Oh, shit. Well, uh, very specific. That is our state of the world. We are moving ahead as a society. TikTok is the next social media platform that you must be on if you want to maintain relevance at all. So we hope that we will all see you there. And now... It is time to move on to the section of the show where we discuss all the Instagram movements, which is now outdated. We got to start talking about TikTok movements very soon. Yeah. What are we even doing here? We're still in the Instagram era. It's still happening. I don't know when it's going to switch over to the TikTok era, but we're still in the Instagram era for now. So we will talk about all of the movements of the players of the current season 25 and the ratings of the TV show. This is... This week in games. As you know, we are charting the ratings of the show and the Instagram gains of all the players for this season. Let's jump in. The ninth week of Matt James's historic season gave us perhaps the strangest women tell all in history, opening with a disclaimer about the date of the episode shooting to let viewers know that it took place before Chris Harrison was embroiled in a massive racism scandal. So it was just fine for them to air it. This last opportunity for some players to make their case for sand or crown pulled in a 1.12 in the key demo of adults, 18 to 49, down about 11.5% from last week, which was already down about 12% from the prior week, And the total viewers dropped to 4.6 million, which was down almost 13% from last week. The Women Tell All traditionally is one of the worst rated episodes of any season. But when that's factored into a season that is consistently putting up comparatively low numbers, it becomes that much worse. That said, the show still performed well in its time slot on Monday night. And it seems that network executives will continue to ignore the rating death spiral for as long as possible. Now let's talk Instagram gains of season 25 players and the lead, starting with Matt James. His gains slowed down a bit this week, dropping from the 30K pace we're used to down to 19K, bringing his total to 942,000. There are two episodes left, one of which will be the three-hour finale slash after the final rose, We are all waiting and watching to see if he can put together 58,000 more followers in the next 14 days. 
If he can get back to those 30K per week gains, he's on pace to be the second black player in history to join the 1 million club the week of the finale. Now for the top five follower gains from Matt James's players. This is from February 24th, last week when we recorded, to today, March 3rd, 2021. Rachel Kirkinell is back on top this week. She, along with the other members of the top three, were not present at the Women Tell All, but that didn't stop her gain train. The presumptive ring winner of this season hauled in 37,000 new followers, bringing her total to 471K. Kirkinell issued a seven and a half minute apology video this week, which might have had something to do with these gains, or it might just be the momentum of the front runner taking over. Abigail Herringer continues to astound us, coming in second place this week with a 32,000 gain, no doubt in response to her 4TRR inspirational hot seat play on the Women Tell All. She was given a huge opportunity to make gains at the Women Tell All, and she capitalized. With 407,000 total followers, she is certainly going to be a favorite in sand, but she might have made the case to bypass the beach this year and go straight to the crown. Slipping two spots to third place, Zoom teacher extraordinaire Michelle Young brings 27,000 new pairs of eyeballs to her Instagram this week as she climbs to 173K total followers. And shockingly, she did it without a single post. Her grid still has the same 10 images that were there seven days ago. Bree Springs finds herself in fourth place this week with 22,000 new followers waiting and watching to see what she can do in the next round of playoffs. Springs now sits at 181,000 total, which will be a solid base to build on in paradise, no doubt. Serena Pitt rounds out the top five gains this week, adding 17.4K new followers in response to her heartfelt self-elimination and even more heartfelt hot seat at the Women Tell All this week. Pitt sits at 99.2K and will likely join the 100K club over the course of this week. Other notable gains included Katie Thurston, as she packed on another 16,000 followers, bringing her up to 423,000 total, as curiosity around her crown status continues to grow. Kit Keenan managed to find 11,000 new followers with some impressive TikTok work, landing her at 306K total. Welcome to the 300K Club, Kit. And Jacinia Cruz convinced 10,000 people to follow her this week, bringing her up to 45.3K total. Good job, Jacinia. The true winner of Women Tell All? Possibly, Jacinia? Possibly. And the smallest gain crown this week goes to Sarah Trot. She shed 1,000 followers, possibly as the result of declining the invitation to appear on the Women Tell All. The top five Instagrams from this season go as follows. Rachel Kirkinell remains on top, 471K. Katie Thurston, 423K. Abigail Herringer, 407K. Kit Keenan, 306K. And despite losing 1,000 followers this week, Sarah Trot still has fifth place locked down with 191K. But Bree Springs and Michelle Young are closing in with 181K and 173K, respectively. It's going to be very interesting to see where this season winds up, what that hierarchy becomes 
as we head into the second round of playoffs with Fantasy Suites and obviously the finals coming up. And we know some huge things are coming to a head. How will that affect any of this? There's going to be bumps for the top players. There's going to be a massive bump if they decide to announce crown, whoever that may be. This season has been so fucking insane on every level, obviously. But as we're watching this tick down, what these follower counts are shaping up to be like, the fact that these top five really haven't changed spots in about four weeks. They just keep Mm -hmm. kind of accruing new followers. I'm super curious to see what happens in what is literally the last two weeks of the season. I can't believe we're almost done with season 25, Matt James season. Can you believe that? I don't remember a time when we weren't in Matt James' season. <laughs> I know cliche happened, but like, good Lord, what a fucking journey we have all been through. It has been <sighs> extremely intense. I mean, I'm just thinking back now to Blake Moynes making his clay penis. That seems like a decade ago. I feel like Bachelor Nation is aging all of us like the presidency ages people when they go into it and they show you the picture like when they come out and they look like they're 100 years older. Yeah, That's what being a Bachelor fan is doing right now. But Oh my God, for real though. Those were the gains. And now before we get to Bachelor Nation news, please enjoy this word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football is back. And the best bet you can make is downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It doesn't matter if you're new to gambling or an old pro. FanDuel has something for everyone. And as an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you know your bets are safe. There's also never been a better time to use FanDuel because right now you'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. You can even turn a small wager into a big payday with a same-game parlay bet. Just sign up with the promo code SPOTIFY to place your first bet risk-free on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is... Bachelor Nation News. First up in Bachelor Nation News, the biggest news story of this week, Taylor Nolan is at the center of a firestorm of controversy that started when a series of several old tweets and Facebook posts were unearthed that were highly offensive to almost every marginalized group that exists. The posts featured openly racist and homophobic language, as well as a wide variety of slurs, These digital artifacts of her past views were originally posted between 2011 and 2014, and we are going to do the best we can to lay out this timeline of different posts that she's made, but we might miss a few things as she has deleted some, and as this is progressing, it has become more complicated. Nolan posted an initial apology that has been deleted. The outrage, insult, and extreme disappointment felt across Bachelor Nation prompted Nolan to then issue a series of text apologies to her main grid that were ultimately followed by a 30-minute-long apology video that consists of a pure parasocial gaze, 
in which she highlights the effect white supremacy had on her worldviews when she was younger and outlines how she has changed over the years to not only reverse her past problematic views, but to become an advocate for social reform. She also addressed what she called a conscious decision to leave the numerous offensive tweets on her account as proof of her journey of learning and unlearning. The apology received mixed reactions from Bachelor Nation, with players and fans alike issuing comments and videos of their own, most of which called for no one to be held to the same standard of accountability that she applies to others. I truly thought that these were photoshopped at first. It's an incredibly complicated story for a number of different reasons. Um, But we feel for the many members of Bachelor Nation who have been deeply affected by it, uh, including ourselves. These posts were harmful and triggering to so, so many different groups. Um, And this story ultimately contributed to my scream, which I will get to later. I had the exact same reaction. I believed that these were not real tweets when they first surfaced. And then obviously, as the rest of us did over the course of that day, we started to quickly find out they were, in fact, real. We are unsure what the future holds for Nolan in Bachelor Nation, but in the days since this controversy has erupted, she has lost roughly 10,000 followers, putting her at 244,000 total. And this story is very likely going to continue unfolding, and we will cover it as it does. Next up in Bachelor Nation news, after issuing a text apology for involvement in racist activity in 2018, Rachel Kirkinell took another step this week in a 7 minute and 36 second video posted to her Instagram TV. The video, shot in what appears to be her bedroom, features the embattled star player sitting on the floor, delivering a pure parasocial gaze straight to camera as she addresses the current scandal in which she finds herself embroiled. She expresses how tired she is of remaining silent. She asks for white people to stand up and take accountability because things can't change for racial progress if we don't all work together. She explains that her opinions and actions are not what really matters because this movement is bigger than she is. She further explains that she feels obligated to use her platform and privilege to shine a light on this situation. She views this entire experience as a blessing in disguise because it might wake people up. She announces she will be posting some resources for learning and unlearning, which she later did in her Instagram. She denounces anyone who might be defending her prior actions and defines the current problem as more than a political divide. She explains that helping people of color is a humanitarian issue. And finally, she says she's sorry and thanks everyone for holding her accountable. The video has 1.6 million views and 7,138 comments which range from unbridled support to unbridled hatred, as we have come to expect of all events in Bachelor Nation. Next up in Bachelor Nation news, Rachel Lindsay has disabled her Instagram account this week. Lindsay was the face of the anti-bullying campaign of the show, and now she has been bullied into disappearing from social media. And the franchise's first move after this event transpired was not to come to Lindsay's defense after they forced her to be the face of anti-bullying on season 24's Women Tell All, but instead they posted a promo for this week's episode of The Bachelor. But finally, after the news of Lindsay's Instagram departure reached critical mass, The Bachelor producers did issue an official statement in support of Lindsay, a first of its kind, implying denunciation of the problematic section of the fan base. The single paragraph of text posted to their main Instagram grid reads, 
As executive producers of The Bachelor franchise, we would like to make it perfectly clear that any harassment directed towards Rachel Lindsay in the aftermath of her interview with Chris Harrison is completely inexcusable. Rachel has received an unimaginable amount of hate and has been subjected to severe online bullying, which, more often than not, has been rooted in racism. This is totally unacceptable. Rachel has been an incredible advocate for our cast, and we are grateful that she has worked tirelessly toward racial equality and inclusion, signed the executive producers, and there is a Bachelor Nation official logo in the bottom right corner of this post, which on the official Bachelor ABC Instagram account now has 79,000 likes and 5,461 comments. Next up in Bachelor Nation news... Serena Pitt is in the news this week for a an Us Weekly interview she gave in which she echoed Ivan Hall's thoughts on Chris Harrison's future involvement. After she was asked if she would consider being the next Bachelorette, she said, I would struggle with Chris as host because the amount of work that needs to be done here. I would need to see the changes that have been happening in his life and the actions that he has taken and will be continuing to take moving forward to feel comfortable welcoming him into the bachelorette season that was another strong move from a player in a recent season making her opinion known on what level of involvement chris harrison should have in the show moving forward it's also interesting that she's not saying she's not the bachelorette here i mean ivan said i won't go to bachelor in paradise if he's there this seems a little bit more neutral saying i don't know i'd have to see his actions to be the bachelorette nonetheless it's just another player put on that list of openly mm-hmm. saying, eh, I don't know if you should have Chris Harrison as the host anymore. And I think as we get more yeah. and more of those players doing this, it's going to be less and less likely that the Dark Lord is going to return to our beloved game. I agree. I mean, for me, it was that Chiron at the Women's Hell All. I was like, this Chiron says he ain't coming back. Well, if he doesn't come back... Our next piece of Bachelor Nation news <laughs> involves the reason that he might not come back. A host has been selected for the After the Final Rose episode of this season. It is Emmanuel Acho. The 30-year-old is a former NFL linebacker who spent the majority of his almost four-year career with the Philadelphia Eagles. After his playing days ended, he turned his game knowledge and on-camera talent into a series of analyst jobs, ultimately taking him all the way to ESPN and Fox Sports. He currently has a YouTube channel called Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man, on which he sits down with celebrities like Chelsea Handler and Matthew McConaughey to talk about things like cancel culture and white allergies. His YouTube channel has 478,000 subscribers and his videos regularly register over a million views. He has also written a best-selling book with the same name that deals frankly with the subject of race in America. Acho has 809,000 Instagram followers and is very openly Christian. Notably, Acho was also born in a city called Dallas, Texas, (laughs) as was Chris Harrison. What do we expect from Acho's appearance on After the Final Rose, and what is the likelihood of Acho actually becoming the regular host? I do not know what to expect, but I can't wait. (laughs) Is this going to have the highest ratings of any After the Final Rose ever? It's totally possible. If you watch any of his YouTube videos, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man, I mean, he talks very openly about all kinds of super hard to deal with shit about race in America. I don't know if they're going to let him do that on the bachelor stage. 
I think he's going to want to do that, but it's also a job and he knows this is an audition and he's going to play by whatever rules are set in place. But like, to me, that's the real question. Where is the studio and the show setting that line? How frank will they be able to talk about these things with mm-hmm. Rachel Kirkconnell, with Matt James, with any of the other players? And are they going to talk about Chris Harrison since he's not going to be there? In my opinion, that should be the first hot seat. Dark Lord Harrison has to sit down to have that uncomfortable mm-hmm. conversation with Emmanuel Acho. But he has all of the qualities necessary to do this job for the next decade or so. Mainly mainly that he's from Dallas, Texas. He's from Dallas, Texas. We know that that <laughs> is the source. He's from the Bachelor Nation Hellmouth. <laughs> That's where it all comes from. That's where you got Dark Lord Harrison. Alex Michelle grew up there, first Bachelor. Uh, Sean Lowe, greatest Bachelor. Rachel Lindsay. There's so much tied to Dallas Alexis in this franchise. Alexis Waters is living there now. <laughs> Dolphin shark. Exactly. Uh, That's very important to this. But beyond all of that, <laughs> look, I personally think Dallas has a lot to do with The Bachelor, and it bears out, obviously, in all these different people we're talking about. But even beyond that, he's an incredible host. Watch his videos. He's really fucking good at what he does. He's an ex-NFL player, and I know like we always say this and some people roll their eyes at it but the nfl and the bachelor are linked together since the dawn of time and this just further puts it right in your face he's also very openly and outwardly christian which is a huge piece of how they are currently marketing the show as we saw with season 25 it opened with matt james delivering a christian prayer over all of the players i think these things and they use that as a promo on the official bachelor instagram page so i I'm very curious to see what this after the final rose is going to be like and how he's going to handle it and, and everything that's going to happen after. But just on paper and from watching his prior experience, he's more than qualified for this job to have it for as yeah. long as he wants it. And I think it's just a matter of how the studio is going to handle it and everything like that. Will DLH be back? We don't know. Will there be tings? Is Otto going to ting? That will be the greatest fucking moment in the history of The Bachelor when Emmanuel Acho comes into the fucking ting chamber. Ting, ta, ting, ting, to, to, ting, ting. I want to see him play a fucking song Ooh. on that champagne flute, knowing that Dark Lord Harrison is in his house in Texas somewhere watching it and just fucking crying. <laughs> oh, God. He can't, he won't be EP, so he can't remove those ting tapes. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, it gives me hope. Speaking of Ting King, Dark Lord Harrison, our next piece of Bachelor Nation news, he will be on our TVs again very soon. It is confirmed that DLH has been booked on Good Morning America, where he will have a conversation with Michael Strahan about the scandal that is currently tearing Bachelor Nation apart and undermining the first season of the show to ever feature a Black Bachelor. We have no idea what DLH will say, but whatever it is, it has been prepared and rehearsed dozens of times, so it will be just right for DLH. If you thought The Women Tell All was Tonegate, then get ready for Tonegate 2. Good morning, America. Everyone in Bachelor Nation is going to be watching this appearance frame by frame. Some of us rewinding, probably. Myself included. I just can't. 
believe they're sending him out this soon. Yes. And then I'm like, well, why are they doing that? It might be because he's hosting Bachelorette and they've got to try and rehab him like ASAP. That's the only reason I can think of them doing that. Same here. I'm just like, what the fuck? When I read this, he's supposed to be taping this this week. Our, this episode, we're recording it on Wednesday. It's going to come out on Thursday. He might be doing this Thursday. He might be doing it tomorrow, which would be today if you're listening to this on Thursday. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's so fucking fast. Yeah, what he's going to be like, here's what I've unlearned in one week. <laughs> I think all he can really say is how sorry he is and how it's mm-hmm. changed his mind and he's now taking active steps and he is going to do the work, et cetera, et cetera. I think that'll probably be the tack. And then it's like, but you know, the deal is this. And I mean, fuck, our next piece of Bachelor Nation news is also about this, but it's about next season of Bachelorette. That shit starts shooting in a couple of weeks. If he's the host right. of it, he's got to get to New Mexico and start quarantining. Wait, so they're they're going to shoot it before after the final rose airs. Uh, so they're not going to know the reaction. They will be shooting it roughly, I believe, in conjunction with the airing of After the Final Rose. I, I think it's shooting like it starts shooting last half of March. And after the Final Rose is going to air on the What 15th. I mean is like that's not going to be enough time to decide how Acho does and quarantine him for Bachelorette. How long do they quarantine any of these people anyway? Some of them we know quarantine for like three or four mm-hmm. days. Ashley Iaconetti when she went to La Quinta. So like, do they have enough time to quarantine for three or four days? Yeah. They're shooting after the final rose at the end of this week. So they're probably shooting it like tomorrow, maybe Friday, Saturday. So then did, would they have enough time after shooting that to then make a final mm-hmm. kind of judgment See call and be like, yeah. he was really good. He's got the job or we got to get Harrison. Like they're starting to shoot. Look, let's just get to it. The next piece of Bachelor Nation. And are those is, the only two? Okay. <laughs> but I mean, are those the only two options? Dark Lord Harrison or Acho? No, I think they could have a series of rotating guest hosts like JoJo and Ben Higgins and whoever, you know. Um, I, I think they have a, some different kind of contingency options, but we can continue talking about this in the next piece of Bachelor Nation news, uh, which is a new location for the Bachelorette has been confirmed by Reality Steve. It is the Hyatt Regency Tamaya Resort just outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico. From the Tamaya website, it is nestled on 550 acres of the Native American Santa Ana Pueblo between the Sandia Mountains and the Rio Grande River. Tamaya is steeped in over 1,000 years of rich history and culture. They have stables for horse dates. They have hot air balloon rides, Mm. biking, Jeep tours, and fly fishing all of these sound like viable date activities, in my opinion. And this season starts shooting in a few weeks. Producers are already en route quarantining for what will be the third bubble season in a row. And as we were just saying, it's still unknown who the next Bachelorette is going to be. But certainly the producers at this point have to know that. And so the announcement has to be coming soon, as well as all the players on this season. All of that shit's about to unload. And as well as, Mm -hmm. who's the fucking host? There's so many things up in the air right now because of all these scandals that are going on. It's just like, there's going to be an information dump happening in the next week or two of Bachelor Uh, shit that is just going to bury us. They're going to announce before we... (laughs) 
They're going to announce Crown before this episode is released. I know it. <laughs> it's totally possible at this point. I think they're going to give us fantasy suites. I don't fucking know. I just don't know. I could see it being a thing where fantasy suites happens. Michelle goes home in fantasy suites and they give it to her. Mm. Like that night or the next morning or whatever, you know? Right. I don't know. Time will tell, but the fucking Bachelorette's about to start shooting. As if all of this shit wasn't crazy enough. It's just like unending. We're going to have a little bit of a break in between airing of Bachelor and Bachelorette, but the news ain't going to stop. And we will be there to cover it all. <laughs> Gore still standing. <laughs> Barely, but Barely. here we are. <laughs> that does it for all the Bachelor Nation news this week. And now we are moving on to that section of our show where we talk about all the moves off the field of some of your favorite players. This is... The parasocial play, 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 play of the week. This week was hard to find a parasocial play of the week because so many of the parasocial plays were giant news stories. So we only have a few to highlight this week. First up, Avengers Assemble. Nine players from Bachelorette season 16 had dinner with each other at an indoor restaurant in New York City this week. Joe Park, Brendan Marias, Kenny Brash, Jordan Chapman, Riley Christian, Zach Clark, Bennett Jordan, Dale Moss, and DLH's dynamic duo, Ed Weisbrot. All maskless at a dinner in New York City. Images from the event were posted on all players' main grids or stories. Although these images got high engagement, turning in over 130,000 combined likes, they did chronicle the maskless adventures of nine people eating in close proximity to one another without masks. A rare misstep where COVID safety protocols are concerned for Joe Park, who presumably is the only one who has received a vaccination. And with Moss in attendance at this event, the parasocial momentum he built last week by tantalizing Bachelor Nation with his Claire Crawley reconciliation has all but evaporated. Another parasocial play we want to highlight involves the Instagram queen herself, Hannah Brown. She released a YouTube video to her channel this week, letting everyone in on her preparations for a Valentine's date with her new boyfriend, Adam Woolard. The 17-minute video. Features Brown in several different outfits and locations around her apartment, delivering a pure parasocial gaze as she works out, puts on makeup, prepares food, sets the table, and eventually lets him in as he arrives with a giant bundle of flowers. Although Woolard has been featured in some of Brown's Instagram posts, his face is purposely absent from this video, and we're left wondering if that will always be the case. The video has racked up 330,000 views in just under six days, proving that there is still a decent-sized audience interested in what the most popular Bachelorette in recent history is up to. But our parasocial play of the week goes to Brian Abasolo. He made a main grid image post with a picture of him and Rachel Lindsay after she deactivated her account. 
caption reads, I love you, I appreciate you, I believe in you, and I just wanted to let you know how proud of you I am. Keep going and never stop being you and fighting for what's right. Heart emoji, prayer hands emoji, bearded man emoji, heart emoji, woman emoji, hashtag RNB. This post has 92,330 likes and 3,490 comments. I loved this post. It was incredibly touching and for TRR, and it was shared by many members of Bachelor Nation on their own Instagram stories. I love this post as well. This week has been difficult for virtually everyone in Bachelor Nation. And Mm -hmm. there has just been a lot of kind of negative energy in Bachelor Nation. And it was just good to see this. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what I mean anymore, but it was good to just see, you know, Brian out there supporting Rachel. And it just... It's one of the relationships in Bachelor Nation that doesn't get that same treatment that like, let's say, a Sean and Catherine or something get. This was a bachelorette who is still with her ring winner and this dude is supporting her every fucking day and they're a power couple. She's killing it. He's fucking killing it. And they just are always slightly out of the spotlight for some reason. What Mm -hmm. might it be? Can't put my finger on it. But I also wanted to take a second in our parasocial plays of the week here to do something that we've never done. And I wanted to kind of put into context the parasocial world of The Bachelor because we know what numbers matter in The Bachelor world, that there are only a couple of people in the 2 million club and we know like 100,000 likes on something is a big deal in the context of Bachelor Nation, right? Mm -hmm. So I just want to expand it out to the larger parasocial game that All of Bachelor Nation is playing. When you're on Instagram, when you're on TikTok, when you're on any social media platform, you are competing against other people doing this too who are not Bachelor players. So just for some context here, Cristiano Ronaldo posted an image of himself shirtless, smiling at a camera seven hours prior to this recording. Right now, it has 5 million likes. He has more than double the likes on a picture he posted seven hours ago that Hannah Brown has in fucking followers. So in the grand scope of Instagram, social media, everything, and granted, Ronaldo is the highest Instagram player in the world. (laughs) That said, Bachelor Nation is not even a drop in the bucket in terms of overall parasocial power. They are insignificant, all of them. And I just think it's always interesting to keep that in mind, especially at times like this, when we all get very caught up in who's posting what and who's making what statements and all this kind of stuff. And granted, we are focused on Bachelor Nation and all of that, yes. But it's always good to have perspective on globally how many people are truly affected by social media and uh, that happens outside of Bachelor Nation. I just thought it was interesting to no, bring that it, up. Uh, <laughs> it is fascinating. Ronaldo, congratulations on keeping <laughs> these numbers going. You're doing great, buddy. <laughs> I know you are a avid Gore listener and we, you know, we're following your work. And please go check it out. If you haven't <laughs> seen this picture, it's pretty funny. It's just him shirtless looking at a camera with a kind of little smirk on his face like, huh? Check me out, right? And you just see also the, how little has to go into his social media work. I mean, he has a whole team and all that kind of stuff as well. But like, it's just a picture of him shirtless smiling at the camera. <laughs> and it's got 5 million likes 
in seven hours. Oh, he's got a little... He looks a little bit like, mm, I might be up to something. He's got a little yeah. slight eyebrow raise. He's drawing you in. He glistens. That's his blue steel. By the way, Cristiano Ronaldo has 267 million followers, to remind you. Just to put it in some perspective, over 100 times more than Hannah Brown. But that does it for the Parasocial Plays of the Week. Now comes the time in the show when Pace Case and I delve into the deepest corners of our psyches and descend to the bottom of the pit and discuss how the show is affecting us on a personal level. This is... Screams from the Pit! It is not hard to identify my scream this week. My scream is that this week's events have affected me to my core because of Rachel Lindsay being forced off of Instagram by MAGA Bachelor Nation and the Taylor Nolan toxic and triggering shitstorm. We, it's been a long week. Um, we've gotten threatening DMs in the past, but not to the extent of the threatening DMs this week. And while we have talked about being complicit before this week, broke me. It was a true low and dark point for me with this franchise. I did cry in the recording of this exact podcast. <laughs> feel like maybe I should be upfront about that. Um, I have not been sleeping. I have been, I don't have an actual eye mask, but I tried to use one of my face masks to try to block out the rising morning light. It's been a, it's been a mess and I haven't been able to work. Um, the events of this week reminded me somewhat of the hopeless feeling after our first black president, Barack Obama's two terms, when we elected a sociopathic narcissist who ran a campaign built on stoking racism to the highest office in the U.S. in 2016. And we have talked about the idea of a white lash on this podcast before, where dramatic racial progress in America is immediately followed by a white backlash. And to what I have been seeing this week, it does appear we are seeing a white lash this week after the progressive changes in our beloved game. We got the first Black Bachelor and the most racially diverse cast and some degree of accountability for DLH's racism. But then an alt-right Bachelor Nation rises up to defend Chris Harrison and drives Rachel Lindsay off Instagram and targets many others. Um, I know Ashley Spivey spoke about being targeted in her live with Reality Steve this week. And... 
just as 45 stoked racist flames already present in the country, so too has Bachelor Nation always had this huge MAGA percentage, and it is now all coming to a head. In some ways, Bachelor Nation is having its own mock election right now. Do you vote for the incumbent Chris Harrison to get a 41st term? I hope that given the events of this week, that progressive Bachelor Nation doesn't give up and continues to organize. A movement is not one person. Um, But like anti-chicken enthusiast MJ said on this week's Women Tell All, it's okay to have boundaries. (laughs) And a boundary I am taking indefinitely is not going on our Gore Instagram account. Y'all can feel free to send, continue to send tits to clues, but I am out indefinitely. (laughs) This is my scream. That's a good scream. I completely (laughs) understand it. Uh, And certainly step away from the DMs, step away from the fucking Instagram account. Because I had very similar feelings this week with everything happening and, you know, all the DMs we were getting about the Taylor Nolan stuff specifically, it just, the reason we started doing this podcast in the very beginning and, you know, Mm -hmm. we're writing the book and all this kind of shit for me was always this element of like (laughs) enjoyment, fun. We liked the show (laughs) and yes, there are these problematic elements of it and that, you know, talking about them we thought was important and all that. And that's always been a part of our podcast, but there was something this week like the switch just flipped and it got to a point where it was like actively not fun in any way. And even Mm -hmm. watching the women tell all it just wasn't fucking fun. And I don't, it's because Chris Harrison was on it certainly still. And we're watching it for tone gate and all this kind of Mm -hmm. shit. We can make jokes about it, which I do still find that element of it fun. But uh, it was also because Taylor Nolan had blown up and that whole story. And it just really made me, want to completely dissociate from The Bachelor. So my scream is, I did the opposite. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I really thought back to myself. Oh, my you know, God. <laughs> I was like, when have I been the happiest in terms of my fandom to this show? And the answer was uh-huh. during the fucking hyper binge. When we were just piping it into our fucking oh, wow. heads two times speed for 12 hours a day or whatever, meticulously transcribing. Uh-huh. And... As we're working on this book, I'm right now in a group date chapter. And, uh, you know, I found that I have all this data on the grid that we made for all the different two-on-ones, which is the part that I was working on in this chapter. And I was like, I could just read this data or you know what I could do? I could go back and watch every two-on-one that's ever taken place. And that's what I fucking did. Oh, my God. (laughs) Are you serious? So I watched them all. And uh, it was fucking great. And now I'm going to share with you Uh some of the things I've learned about two-on-ones as part of my scream. When I delve deep into the pit to get these treasures, I do it because I want to share the treasures with everyone who wants to know about them. So here we go. Oh, this is uplifting. Treasures. Other than season nine, which we still have not seen, I don't know if that season had a two-on-one or not. I can potentially assume that it did. 
did just based on the fact that the first two-on-one ever was mm-hmm. in season five and then season six skipped season seven and then it continued pretty much every season after that eight 10 11 12 13 14 15 16 so on and so forth um other than season nine so we have to remove that what i know out of the seasons that i have is there have been 18 total two-on-ones one season had two two-on-ones and i will get to that in a moment but in the beginning sorry i just looked at season nine wikipedia week three the nine remaining bachelorettes find out there's going to be a group date a two-on-one date and a solo date with lorenzo Mm. all right so there are 19 total then that have happened and the first two two two-on-ones that happened in season five and season six did not have roses and the one that happened in season six was a very special one because it was the first time players came back from a prior season for a second tour those two players were mary delgado and heather cranford delgado of course goes on to win the ring that season so that is a two-on-one player who wins the ring season eight sees sarah blondin getting the first two-on-one rose over jennifer tomorrow and Sarah Blondin wins the ring that season. This is another two-on-one player who wins the ring. Season mm-hmm. 10 sees Tessa Horst winning her two-on-one and the ring. Season 11 sees Deanna Pappas winning her two-on-one and the ring. That is shocking. That's a lot of ring winners. You're telling who? Me. Is that the last one, Deanna Pappas? That is the last ring winner. But that's five so total they were, ring winners. They were all pretty, pretty early on. Yes. And then as we continue, well, no, because Vienna Girardi also won a ring, which happened in season 14, but her date didn't mm. have a rose. It was her and Gia Alamond, and there was no rose on that two-on-one, and then both players got roses at the rose ceremony following that. And then we saw two-on-ones pretty much every season with the exception of season 18, Juan Pablo, all the way up into what we have now. And season 20 was a very special one because Bachelor Ben Higgins had two two-on-one dates that season. It's made even more special. What? Because one player competed in both of them and won them both. The first of season 20's two-on-one dates was two sisters pitted against each other. It was the Ferguson twins, Emily and Haley. And Emily wins the rose in the living room of their mother in Las Vegas. In their familial home. Fucking incredible. (laughs) (laughs) So she knocks her sister out. And then later she has to go on a two-on-one against Olivia Caridi. And she wins that one as well. The only player in history to not only be on two two two-on-ones, but to win them both that's a lot to go through especially being put up against your sister (laughs) in front of your mom and then of course we you know come all the way to present with jacinia cruz and mj being forced into these kind of this makeshift bubble two-on-one but just i want to give you some stats because a lot of people think the two-on-one oh shit it's a death sentence it's the worst thing you can ever fucking have in your life etc etc yeah not so much the let's just compare it to some other roses you can get the two-on-one rose let's compare it to the fimp let's compare it to the first flower this is the two-on-one by the numbers all right Mm -hmm. ready 
There have been 19 two-on-one dates, three of which did not include the rows or goes mechanic, and two of which resulted in a double elimination. 13 total two-on-one roses have been awarded, and the average finish for a two-on-one rose recipient is 4.076th place. A better standing than Fimp Rose recipients, but not quite as high as First Flower's average placement, which is, I believe, 3.75. The two-on-one has produced five ring winners and one crown in Deanna Pappas, as compared to the First Flower's three crowns and four ring winners, and the Fimps one ring and one crown. The two-on-one rose is better statistically than the fucking Fimp in every measurable category. First of all, this, we, we should note this is just Bachelor. Um, second, it makes sense to me that two-on-one would have some statistical advantage because you do have to last long enough to get to that date. That date's not usually in the first couple episodes. Mm-hmm. But that is... Wild. Yeah. Those are some wild stats clues. And it's obviously a high risk rose to get because if you don't get the FIMP, you mm-hmm. can still get a rose that night of the rose ceremony or whatever. If you don't get a two on one rose, at least in modern era, they're all, all the modern era ones are rose or goes. You're gone if you don't get it. It's a kill or be killed. But I just found it interesting and, uh, I hope everyone else enjoyed this as well. I deep dive into this. And just for a little side piece of information, there have been three three-on-ones. Uh, ben Higgins started that first one, and there was only one rose given, but both um, other players, Becca Tilly and Kayla Quinn, also came to the rose ceremony that night, and Tilly was eliminated in that rose ceremony, but Quinn did get a rose. And then in season 22, mm-hmm. we saw... Um, Tia Booth, Kendall Long, and of course Becca Martinez, where two out of three roses, two out of three players got roses on that date. And then in season 24, we had Kelly Flanagan eliminated to Hannah Sluss and Victoria Fuller both getting roses as well. So the modern three on one, as it is evolving, you have a 66% chance to get a fucking rose. That may be the date you hmm. definitely want to be on in terms of statistical probabilities. But I'll keep covering all this shit. What? Were the three-on-ones all during the round of six? I believe so. Definitely season 22 and 24 were. I'm not sure about Ben Higgins, but I think yes. Hmm. But that was it. That was my scream was that I was feeling very down about Bachelor Nation and my continued involvement of giving creative energy to this thing that is just, at this point, horrible. And... uh, (laughs) <laughs> I tried to tap back into something that I liked about it, and I was able to do it. I, I just did a deep, deep fucking dive into two-on-ones, and I'm right back in it now. And I'm like, I can't fucking wait for fantasy suites. I can't wait. Yes. Well, I, you know what? I was in a dark place, and I appreciate these treasures as well. Oh, thank you very much. Glad you enjoyed the treasures. Well, that's it. We hope you guys enjoyed this week in Bachelor Nation on Thursday, March 4th. And we will be back next Monday with a Patreon episode that might have something to do with the history of Fantasy Suites. It's a Fantasy Suites episode. So be on the lookout for that. And of course, Tuesday, we will have game coverage of the Fantasy Suite round of season 25. I can't wait to see what is about to happen.
And as Pace Case said, please send me the tids. The gore DMs are going to be inoperable for a little while. So give me what you got. I'm fucking ready. (laughs) And before we go, as always, what is the dwab at? It has been 6,918 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Rachel Lindsay. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then. Now you've heard me talk about Quince on this program before. I love Quince. I am right now, head to toe, dressed in Quince. I got their shirts, I got their pants, I got everything from Quince. Quince is my spot for quiet luxury without paying those luxury prices. Quince offers a range of must-have items like 100% European linen, under $50, luxurious mulberry silk skirts, and of course, Italian leather bags and 14 karat gold jewelry from, get this, $30. All their prices are 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And because Quince creates timeless classic styles that won't go out of fashion, you're going to have them in that closet forever. Unless you wear them out, which I may because I literally wear them every day. (laughs) I know you're wondering, how do they do it? Well, Quince partners directly with top factories to cut out the cost of the middleman, passing the savings right on to you and to me. What's even better, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium eco-friendly fabrics and finishes so you can feel good about getting high-quality items that are going to last you longer. Upgrade your closet this summer with Quince. Right now, go to quince.com roses to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses for free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash roses we're coming out of spring and we're headed into summer it's a great time of year it's a time for renewal for me that means reconnecting with friends and family i haven't seen for a while and when i do i want to make sure i have plenty of wine on hand to celebrate with that's why first leaf is a great option. As America's most personalized wine company, First Leaf takes the worry and guesswork out of buying quality wines, especially if you're somebody like me who knows maybe a little bit about these things, but not enough, not enough to really make a great decision. They make the decision for you. To get started, you just answer some specific questions about your wine likes and dislikes on First Leaf's website. And these can be things that are about the people you're buying it for as well if you're doing it as a gift. It only takes about five minutes to create your own personalized wine profile. Then you get your very own wine concierge who's gonna use those responses to curate a customized selection of delicious award-winning varieties from rosés to sparklings and everything in between. It's all based on your personal preferences, on those questions you answered. 
These hand-selected wines are going to be delivered to your door within a few days, with each bottle priced lower than what you'd pay at a wine store. You even get to choose when you get the wine. Plus, every selection is backed by First Leaf's 100% satisfaction guarantee. And if you have questions about your wines, like what to pair them with, for example... First Leaf's personal wine concierge team is there to offer that expert advice, so it takes all the guesswork out. I love reconnecting with friends and family over bottles of First Leaf wine, and I bet you'll feel that way too, so give First Leaf a try. Head over to tryfirstleaf.com roses to sign up and save 50% on your first six hand-curated bottles plus free shipping. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses to save 50% on your first six bottles plus free shipping. Try firstleaf.com slash roses. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.